name is Joshua Edward Wright. I was imprisoned in Portland, Oregon, United States for 50 months. And during that time, I realized that not a lot of people know what we go through. So what I will be offering is personal narrative in the hope that the listener will be able to realize the validity of the statement that no human being belongs in a cage. Welcome. Hello. My name is Cody James Connell, and uh, I would like to give insight any way I can. And Joshua is my friend, and this is an amazing experience, and I appreciate being welcomed into this. So do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what you dealt with on that road to, to prison? Well, I served six years, and... Uh, that was a pretty long time for me since before that I hadn't done over a few months in jail. It was a very overwhelming and discouraging feeling, to be honest. And it was scary, and not in the regards of you know my safety from other inmates. It was just scary that I wasn't able to go anywhere I wanted and I wasn't in control. And the fact that a lot of the correctional officers use intimidation from the get-go that was pretty hard to uh, deal with so it was very challenging were there like you know certain guards that went out of their way to kind of make your time harder and also the opposite if there were guards that when they were on shift you knew that we would kind of be okay for a little bit for those eight hours oh most definitely i think my overall experience you know i went to six different prisons in six years uh, which is really hard to relocate when you're in prison, but it was good as far as perspective because I, I first was sent out east to Eastern Oregon Correctional Institution, which is in Pendleton, Oregon. The guards there, they, they, they were the most agitating and the most racist, and they were the most predictable as far as knowing that they were going to try to hurt you and put you in your cell for the day. And they actually enjoyed, um, more than anything, taking stuff from us, making fun of us, and strip searching us, just punishing us in general. You know, after a few years, I got um, to move to different prisons, and eventually I got to Columbia River. And yeah, there was a couple of those type of guards there, but the majority of guards at Columbia River that I experienced were very, very respectful. And I think that they knew I was going to enter the community again and I was local. And I think that they thought about that. And they also saw me as one of the good inmates um, for the most part. So I had really good experiences. I had really bad experiences. Um, and it all made me feel like there are things that happen for a reason during your prison time. The perspective I got is really nice because I got to see so many nice correctional officers and so many terrible just evil just devilish people that really um you know at times i feared for my life out of the six prisons that i did uh, incarceration time at i'd say the oregon state penitentiary also known as osp is by far the worst as far as everything it goes you know uh the guards are definitely for you know in the city you know we call those the valley guards they're they're some of the worst because they act like the ones out east in uh the desert that are that are kind of uh they all 
you know, in general, as a group, have the same philosophies in life. Um, these guys were similar at OSP. A lot of the correctional officers targeted people. Racism was a big, very big problem there. A lot of racial tension. The hardest thing about doing your time at OSP for me was showering. And to me, that was really <clears throat> sad because I find hygiene so important, especially in prison. Um, it's just a really toxic environment. The police, they have a SWAT team there at the OSP and they come in and they slam people down and they're very violent. They, they carry the big, huge mace canisters and they are very serious. Every single day, every single meal, there's a fight in the dining room. Uh, the dining room holds about 500 guys, maybe max, maybe 300 at times. When a fight happens, it's dangerous. Uh, a lot of innocent inmates do get uh, maced and have to deal with that. It's just a really bad, bad prison. Violence, drugs, um, really bad guards, you name it. Um, I remember a joke going around from OSP in particular that like you kind of get used to the taste of pepper spray, you know, like this, this needs a little pepper spray in our meal. It doesn't taste good enough, you know, stuff like that, which is also a joke about, you know, the fact that they don't season our food whatsoever. And it's, it's very bland and we kind of get used to that. And our taste buds aren't ready for the outside world when we get out. So I appreciate like you mentioning that as well, but if you want to talk about relationships with people on the outside, like how, how your kind of bonds that you formed before prison, what happened to them during the time that you were in? Well, for me personally, I went through a very big transition while incarceration uh, was occurring. I changed my life around, luckily for the better. And most of the people in my life before I went to prison, um, they were up to no good. They also broke the law as I was. I also had good people <clears throat> around me, but when I went to prison, I lost my entire group of friends. I lost my entire family group. I lost everything in my life except for my grandparents and my aunt and uncle and a couple friends that really stuck by my side and never gave up on me um, that showed their true colors, you know, when times were rough. I reached out to a lot of people that never, never uh, returned any of my mail or phone calls. And that was really a depressing feeling because I consider myself the rock of a group and a leader someone that people look up to, you know, I'm always working, I'm ambitious, and I'm, no matter what I do, I do my best to have a feeling that nobody needs me and I'm not leading anything, I'm not being the best person I can be. And it was pretty, it was pretty horrible to know that I wasn't in anyone's mind anymore and I wasn't a priority to the point where they couldn't answer the phone or they couldn't just send a postcard or even $10 you know, so I could eat some food that was better than, you know, what I was getting. So it really kind of put a chip on my shoulder towards those people during my incarceration. And then once I was released, I contacted a lot of people and they contacted me, vice versa. And I kind of was able to release that tension and kind of understand, you know, the world is so hectic and it's hard for anybody to even answer a phone call if you're not immediately in their life. Uh, in a relationship with them or an active friendship. So it's kind of hard to lose all those people and go from a very large circle to a small one, all in the flash of a second. And the police actually that arrested me illegally seized my cell phone and uh, took all of my items so that I couldn't get my contacts. 
And, you know, illegally, when they take your cell phone like that and you don't have any phone numbers memorized, you know, you're basically left with a few that will contact you through mail. You know, that just, I just want to touch on that for a second, just for people to know that that's a really serious thing because my co-defendant that actually uh, came in exactly the same time as me, um, they actually gave her her cell phone and let her go through it and write down all the numbers, all the names in her contact list on her phone. And so they were punishing me because I was the perpetrator of the crime and she was just, you know, along for the ride. And so that's that's definitely legal. You know, they, they shouldn't have done that. That was good for me in hindsight because it was able to eliminate the bad people in my contact list that I should have never had in there to begin with. So I actually lost a lot of contacts that probably would have stayed in contact with me if I had contacted them, but they couldn't get a hold of me because I used an alias. It was kind of hard, you know, going through that transition, getting out and understanding that my whole entire life and the people around me and the circle has changed. You know, my grandparents, it was, that was the biggest loss, you know, later part of their life. I lost six years of spending time with them and helping them and trying to help them when they're slowly aging to a point where they need health help was hard because I had to I went into prison and they were pretty healthy in their 80s and when I got out my grandma had Alzheimer's and they were in their 90s and shortly after my release my grandma did pass uh, I felt like a lot of guilt because of those six years I lost with them. I was taking care of them a lot, helping them with things that nobody else could and so when I did leave for my prison, sentence i left them and uh that was the hardest thing um so if you want to talk about like those you know friendships in particular that you forged in 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 prison that kind of got you through the day well a lot of friendships in prison are formed off of something of a trade uh somebody with nothing to offer um it's, it's hard to find a friend when you're in that position in prison it was kind of hard for me to understand that but you have to have a resources, you have to have a network, you have to have a trade, you have to have a, a hustle, you have to have something you're good at. You have to be good at sports, you have to be good at weight, weightlifting, be good at doing art or, you know, tattoos. And if you don't have something to offer the prison population, there's limited friendships that are going to be formed based on that. Um, and it goes even higher than that. You know, who do you know from, you know, the outside world before you came to prison? Um, That is a big deal. You know, these type of things kind of structure how you're treated in prison. I was able to build a lot of good friendships based on, you know, I was good at basketball. You know, I'm I'm smart. I was able to be a tutor and teach kids how to, you know, get their GED like you did. And uh, we were able to kind of be examples and lead with positive action and learn throughout our sentences to be better people and to educate ourselves. In, in general, you know, in every way possible. I think that's what created those moments that were possible for us to see people that we wouldn't see in an everyday basis out in the free world as potential friends. You know, seeing qualities in people that you were like surprised by, you know, that kind of intrigued me. You know, even the people in prison that will live and die there, some of them people will keep you laughing. They'll keep you happy. They'll keep you smiling. They'll, they'll keep you real because they, are, have, they have been there so long that they know how to break the silence. They know how to change the tune 
of negativity and they know how to relax everybody and get everybody dancing and feeling good. And that was the type of people that I was drawn to. And also, you know, being involved in music in prison. Every prison I went to, I, I was involved in music and music is one of those art forms that has no race. So it's cool that I was able to slowly do things, you know, playing basketball, you know, that's also something that, you know, anybody and everybody was doing. So that also creates the versatility in the friendship and the variety of different types of friends. And the friendships that I made in prison, I'll never forget, I'll forever cherish and value. And I know that they, some of those friendships are definitely more genuine than any friendship I've ever had with anyone before that. Um, How was your kind of transition, Cody, to, you know, the outside world, being released from prison? Um, You know, how was that process for you? When it comes to my release, I was released, you know, in the end of, 2017. After six years of incarceration, the world changed dramatically to the point where it was no longer recognizable and no longer with the people in it. My family was no longer there. My friends were no longer there, really. I had to go back to a really crappy job. The transitional place I went to, I couldn't even stay one night. It was just nasty and it was very hard. It was, the, it was one of the most challenging times in my life. I was homeless because I didn't want to live around people that were on drugs or using alcohol every day. And I watched a lot of my friends that I made in prison get released. And then I befriended them outside and see them go back to prison for long periods of time. And that's very discouraging knowing that anything you can do at any point in time can put you right back in prison because that is the system that we live in. You know, once you make a mistake, it's so much easier for them to blame anything on you. Um, so it's just been really scary the last few years being out here. And, uh, it's really scary to know that I was more, you know, comfortable and safe in my prison sentence than I do feel out here. You know, I should never feel that way. I should feel like I did my time and now, you know, the world is mine and I get to have a bright future. I've never got to feel that gratification. I think once you are a felon, Um, No matter what you do, there's so many limitations. So I'm fighting for success. I'm also fighting for, you know, justice and racial equality for, you know, all of my people that have colored skin. And that's one of the things that I've been concentrating on lately. Yoga has helped me. My transition, having yoga calms me down and it gives me the ability to sit back and really digest my thoughts and my feelings. It make rational decisions. And that was something I could not do before. And uh, I went from an alcoholic to somebody that I don't ever drink. I just don't like the way it makes me feel. Uh, So the transition was difficult, but the results were phenomenal. And I'm the healthiest I've ever been mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I, I feel like I did what I needed to do in prison to change. And that was really hard. And uh, I give myself a pat on the back, but I'm not done yet. And I also look forward to, you know, the future of trying to get out of this felon mold that people try to place on me and uh, break that barrier and show people that felons matter. And everybody needs to understand the qualities that a lot of felons possess are unique and uh, they need to be counted.
and they need to be respected and looked at in a positive note. There's so many felons that get out and do the right thing. And that's what really matters. Do you have anything else to say before we wrap up this interview, my friend? I appreciate everybody that's uh, listening and everybody that's part of this and then made this happen. I really uh, have a lot of love for all the people that are incarcerated. It's an amazing you know, conversation that needs to happen. And so much appreciation to you, Joshua. I want to thank Cody Connell and all you out there listening.